Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. You know, I'm always intrigued by the unlikely heroes of our faith that God gives us through scripture, but also in our daily life. There are people given to us by God who are meant by him or sent by him to be examples of faith and lives of faith and action. Now, sometimes they are famous and sometimes they are not because sometimes they're nameless people who are working beside us or perhaps behind the scenes. And so in today's Old Testament lesson, we actually get a little bit of both. We are given an army general, an, is, an Israeli slave girl, and then some nameless servants from Aram. Now Naaman, the general of the Aram, Aram army, is clearly a man of great prominence in his world. He is a famous conquering general who has won the favor of the king he serves, and he has brought great victories in his part of his world for his king, including parts of the northern kingdom of Israel. And one of the spoils he, of war that he received through that war with Israel was a young Israel girl, Israeli girl who worked as a servant for his wife. Now Naaman is a power, is a man of power and influence. But by the very nature of the narrative, you can also tell that he is well respected and he is loved. All should be well with his life, but he has a very serious problem. He has leprosy. And if it continues to go on, it is an incurable disease and it could send him into a life of loneliness, even ostracism or being an outcast. And it is affecting all of the relationships in his life. The people around him, they know that he has it and they really want him to be cured. And so at some point, his wife and his wife's maid, they're all hoping for a cure, and this unnamed young slave girl gets up the courage to suggest to his wife that perhaps he should go to the great prophet of Israel in Samaria and seek a cure. The young girl had obviously heard of Elijah's miracles and she had faith and hope in her God that maybe she, he could cure her master. And so I want you to take a moment to think about just how outlandish this proposal really is. In modern terms, it would be like a general of the Russian army going on the advice of his housekeeper into Crimea to seek out a Ukrainian Catholic priest to cure him of a chronic disease. 
And Naaman does this. He goes with the blessing of his king, his wife, and his servants into Samaria to seek a cure. Now Naaman's hoping for a miracle. He's hoping for a magical cure. He's hoping that Elijah will just say some magic words over him or wave a magic wand like Harry Potter style and he will be cured of his leprosy and his life can go on as well. But instead, Elijah doesn't even come out to meet him. I wonder if he really wanted to give the miracle of this cure entirely to the glory of God. And so Naaman doesn't even appear into the scene at all. He says instead, he sends a messenger, he says, go and wash in the Jordan River. Go wash seven times. And then God uses those muddy waters, as we all know the end of the story, to make Naaman clean. You see, Naaman had come to a place where he had tried all that he could do to fix his problem. And he found it was something that he was completely unable to fix himself, this strong and powerful man, this conqueror of the world. And so as a last resort, he throws up his hands in his pride and he does something completely outlandish. It sounds ridiculous and quite frankly too easy. He listens to the voice of his servants and you can just see him wading into those muddy waters of the Jordan, muttering along the way, this is ridiculous, this isn't going to work, come on. But he goes in after, he goes in in a last desperate attempt because this very well may be his last resort to cure his disease. And so my first question to you is, have you ever been in this spot in your life? A place of last resort. You know, I certainly have. I am a member of a group called Al-Anon. It is the family side of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. And I am there because I have all sorts of branches in my extended family tree that has been impacted by the disease of alcoholism and addiction. And at one point, I was really struggling with the addiction of someone I truly loved. And believe me, I tried everything I could to fix that particular situation. And every single time, I found that it was unfixable by me. I actually went to Al-Anon because I was hoping that they would tell me how to fix this person in my life. Instead, I found myself surrounded by people of light, beautifully grounded in their faith, using their anonymous voices to share with me, to tell me, to stop trying to fix this problem by myself, to stop trying to fix that person. Instead, they told me to let go and let God. However, I am a stubborn and very slow learner. <laughs> so I kept trying to fix things until one very memorable day, I pulled a name in. I threw up my hands in my pride 
And I did something tearfully and ridiculous that I really didn't even believe, just a, just a tiny bit of mustard faith hoped would work. I told God, this person is now your problem. I can't fix it. He is yours, not mine. I'm going to let go, God, and I'm going to let you take over. I had waded into the river of faith, muttering, this will never work, yet desperately hoping deep down that it would. And don't you know, God used those muddy waters of my life to change me through and through. My circumstances did not immediately clear up like Naaman's leprosy that day. But looking back, I can clearly see that God has used that time of desperation in my life to change my entire life. My focus moved from my troubles and myself to my God and eventually back down to the wider world. My life of anger and resentment was changed into one of eternal healing, hope, peace, and love. And I don't believe it is just a coincidence because this is just how God works in my life. I don't know how he works in yours, but mine's full of surprises and adventures. But about that same time, don't you know, I was asked by my church, of which I was a member at the time, the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Some of y'all may have been there. Um, I was asked at that time to be a part of their stewardship campaign. At this point in my life, I was still a lawyer. I had a young child, and I was very much trying to make my way in this world. And I was in the midst of a miracle. My life of anger and resentment was radically changing into one of eternal healing, hope, peace, and love. And so I chose as my theme for that year, Psalm 116. I invite you to go take a look at it sometime later today. But here are some of the parts of it that resounded with me in that season. The Lord protects the simple. <laughs> when I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O oh my soul, to your rest. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord has dealt bountifully for you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I walked before the Lord in the land of the living. I kept my faith even when I said I am greatly afflicted. What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. I will offer to you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. You know, I was happy to encourage people that year to give with a heart of thanksgiving. And delight, I'm delighted that I get to do so with you all today. Because the Lord has and is and always will be with me, guiding me on my way all the way from back there in that time of my life to up here 
standing with you today. You know, when we're small, <laughs> we give to church out of duty. And I can remember when I was little, I grew up in the Catholic church initially, and I would go to church with my parents, and there was four of us, so they would dole out dimes and quarters to us as we sat in the back pew. Yeah, we sat all the way back there. And they would, um, in our church, they had these baskets that were on the long pole, and so the ushers got to like shove them down the, the aisle to you, or down the pew to you, and then they come back, okay? And you're supposed to put your money in the basket. It's kind of fun. And don't you know, as little children, we were always watching to see whether the usher would hit somebody on the head who didn't give money in the basket. It never happened, but it should have. If you think about it, that childlike giving of coins by our parents, of us to our parents, which we then put, immediately put into the basket, that is an accurate image of actually what goes on with the gifts of God that he has given us. We are merely um, receiving everything that he has given to us, and from that, we are just giving back to him. That is a beautiful image. Um, of uh, the abundance that we are blessed with. But as children, I know, we gave to God and to the church out of a sense of duty. I suspect, however, that there's a fair number of you among me, among us, that have been knocked around a bit by life. Y'all have had your trials, you've had your tribulations. My hope is that you are now living out your own miracle of grace with thanksgiving and that I am therefore inviting you to consider making your pledge this year from that place of thanksgiving. You know, one of the themes or goals set by Chris and the other leaders of the church is that St. Michael's is a place where we build Christian disciples to transform our world. And we are all called to help in this transformation. So whether you give out a thanksgiving for the miracles of your life or in hope for a miracle in the life of another, know that your pledge to St. Michael is a beautiful way to impact lives outside and inside these walls. So I pray that you will keep your eyes and your hearts open as well as your pocketbooks. <laughs> because perhaps, just perhaps, God is calling you to be an unlikely hero, to use your voice in quiet ways or even among larger audiences, to suggest to someone at the end of their rope that there is hope for healing. And if you are one of those souls, who are heading toward your last resort. Please know that you are in the right place. This is a place where you can find love and friendship. And it is a place where you can grow in deep faith. Miracles can happen. God will intervene in the unfixable. Let go and let God. Amen.